Oi. 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 You're listening to Until the Kettle Boils, a podcast at sea. Okay. All right, so uh, the kettle's on. The kettle is on the stove. <laughs> Our uh, favorite Englishman hey, hey. <clears throat> just introduced us. Yeah, uh, your uh, director here, Josh, co-host. Uh, Josh, I'm sitting around the table with Yoav. and also uh, co-host. And co-host I'm a, I'm a, I don't see myself as a host. I'm more of a... Um, you're the, the all-time I'm in, guest. I'm in, I'm in. I'm just in. You're like the lead. Nah, I'm the entertainer, starter. maybe. I'm the... I'm, a, I'm the character. Can we're, I still, be the... we're still working out uh, yeah. defining our roles. Yeah, here. roles are not... Uh, the podcast. Like, and and also on the boat, you know, we've only been here for 70 days and people still don't really know. Yeah, not sure, like, what what's, our roles are. what they need to do, what's tasks, what's, like, who's in charge, who's not. How to put the silverware away properly. Yeah, where to, how do you, where to sleep. <laughs> how to clean their pubes up off the bathroom floor. <laughs> what, what Drew is describing here that might sound like a bit of a... <laughs> Post-expedition um, tension <laughs> is actually end of expedition release, and he's right. I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, after every uh, every type of um, how do you say it? Like you spend a lot of time in the same space with the same people. You know, you start noticing things. You start getting annoyed by things. You you like. You don't like. You develop. Develop some habits, and you dislike uh, some other people's habits. It's, it's, I think it's pretty natural, and I think we need to air it. I think it, not now, but generally, it's good to talk about these things. You know, hiding them or kind of getting over them, never good. Just better just blurt out and just say things that piss you off. And once it's in the air, the air is clear. Goes away faster. Yeah, built up tension. If not, but yeah. and the problem never gets fixed. Mm-hmm. Also, so. We were saying though, it's been seventy days. At the end of this, it would be eighty days at sea altogether on a small sixty-seven foot sailboat. And as far as drama goes, we we really haven't had too much tension or drama besides like a few off days here and there. Mm-hmm. But no, nothing big really, you know. Which is yeah, really amazing. No big fights. But yeah, it's. I think we all kind of knew or what we're getting into or had some expectations, and we. You know, we stopped ourselves from, or we, first of all, just by going into this expedition, that makes us a little bit special. Being this kind of personality that would, would say to itself, to themselves, like, okay, I'm going in this thing, into this unknown bunch of people that I'm not sure about, things I'm not sure about what's going to be, but I'm going into, that, that requires some sort of uh, flexible personality or adjustable personality, I think. Uh, Yoav, you ran out of cigarettes a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We were thankful enough to have some meetups, and we got we got more cigarettes. Do you think that could have changed? You know, what maybe what we're talking about even right now. I usually, I first of all, yes. Secondly, I usually don't think of what could have because it didn't happen. And I like that. Yeah. But honestly, it didn't happen. I mean, you could think all of what you want of what never happened and might have, but it just didn't happen. Except if it's a woman. About a woman you're allowed to think uh, that way. A woman that you missed. But no, I mean, of course it would have changed. And really the way I know myself, if I don't have cigarettes at all, I don't smoke because I have no choice. I'm not happy about it, but at some point I accept it. 
Um, as you might have seen at some point, I, I still had a bit of, you know, tobacco without not in papers, and I fashioned myself a little uh, pipe. So I will keep improvising until all resources are de depleted, and then I'll just accept the situation. So I believe it's happened. It happened before. Um, then I made myself a pipe from a potato. Wasn't as good. And then when I <laughs> the resources were depleted, that was when I crossed the Atlantic a couple of years back, and I just didn't smoke. So you accept it, but you know it's kind of funny to leave yourself an opening for like who knows, not be sure, not have everything, not make sure you got everything you need. It's kind of fun, like a flower. What about what do you say about the flower miracle? That was amazing. Yeah, we found. Josh found two bags. How we already mentioned this in the last podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Now we've got choke flour. <laughs> I'm gonna make three loaves of bread a day, man. Every every meal will be with a loaf of bread. We're gonna fatten my head up. I I uh, definitely I'm not eating any of the bread. <laughs> definitely, we've got plenty of uh, cornmeal flour for another. So yeah, cornmeal. Isn't there more cornmeal? Uh, enough. Enough. If it's, yeah, for sure. Enough for you. Yeah, a couple, couple different sounds. The problem is it tastes like corn. It does. That's it. That's the problem with cornmeal. We can make cornmeal porridge, which will also probably taste like corn. That doesn't sound very good. No, no. But it's a thing. It's a thing. Everything is porridge. Rice can be porridge. If you just cook it long enough in too many, too much water, it's porridge. I know that. That might be low too. Uh, going back to what you were saying, though, your point about um. Kind of the excitement in the unpredictable, right? I definitely agree with you there. It's kind of, it's a lot more exciting to not really have like everything figured out when you go into a big adventure like this, whether it be just like, you know, a week of travel abroad or, you know, you even just uh, like a, a hiking experience back home or looking bigger like a sailing trip. Not putting enough uh, not uh, gas in your tank, in your, in your car. Example. Yeah, just kind of rolling the dice once in a while, see, <laughs> seeing if the universe has your back. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't mean like, you know, don't force, um, don't give yourself a, um, what's the word? I think you're looking for that. Don't, don't limit yourself intentionally. Don't put a burden on yourself. But you, you don't plan for everything. Don't over plan. Don't over make sure you, yeah, you always have a place to sleep for a, a month vacation, for example, or you know. I mean, it's boring. I think so. I think the word maybe even you're looking for is like <clears throat> high expectations, and like yeah, if you plan too much, if you have real high expectations, and if that doesn't yeah. happen, then like maybe the trip or the adventure it wasn't good because yeah, I mean, what you had in your mind, you built you, it up to be something so. If you much have better. an ideal and you expect everything in this ideal to be achieved, well, you're gonna be wrong and disappointed. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing is always as you expect. Nothing ever, ever. Right, expectations are a uh, dangerous game to play, but uh, if you stick to the intentions, you know, put your intentions in the right direction, kind of have a, an idea for how you want things to evolve or what you're trying to get out of certain experiences, but not shape every detail of it beforehand, because that's just setting you up for disappointment. There's a beautiful scene in one of my favorite movies called 500 Days of Summer. The main character, he's walking upstairs to go to a party, and the scene, like the screen, it splits into two, and it shows expectations versus reality, and it like just very much dot like that like quick little three minute clip 
um, kind of just talks about what we were talking about because he goes up there and he's hoping to kind of flirt with the hot girl. But the that's his expectation. But the reality is, she got proposed to while they've been away or whatever. So, really, really good uh, cinematic shot that uh, you know helps helps talk about what we're what we're talking about. Yeah. Helps show what we're talking about. No, the thing is, everyone knows it. I mean, no one ever got everything they expected exactly as they expected. And you know it. The less you expect, but no, I mean, you should plan. You should work hard to achieve things you want or things you want to achieve. And and planning is, is excellent. Planning is obviously a base for changes, if I can keep with the cliches. But yeah, just really, really expecting something is uh, leads to disappointment, and people do it again and again. We all do it. Yeah, we all. Do it. What about you guys for uh, on the topic of expectations? You know, what were you expecting? Maybe Josh, you start us out. What were you expecting coming into this this expedition? This that that is a great question because <laughs> I think you know even before we left there were some interview questions that were saying, um, you know, what do you expect to see out there in the patch? Um, Corbin and I even before we left we were working on some shot lists of like specific things we were gonna get and now I think I I think back and it's so funny because on my shot list. I wrote down shots of like, oh, you know, once we get to the garbage patch, we're going to get a drone photo and footage of Ben as he's swimming next to just like heaps of trash because, you know, it's the Great Pacific garbage patch. And so really, even in my mind, even like for the Great Pacific garbage patch, I had that expectation of we were going to see just like, you know, mini islands of trash. Yeah, just plowing through. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I figured I was like, we were going to be cutting line off of our sailboat uh, prop. We really like, lucky actually we didn't get the... Too many lines on our props. That could have happened, really. Yeah, so it's movies. real. Like, my expectation for, I guess, the amount of trash uh, of, like, small islands that we were going to see out here, I really did think we were going to see, like, some sort of miniature island. And did you, do you think you managed to adapt and, like, really, like, get um, what we really got here? <clears throat> yeah, that's... I think I had those, that, like, a scene of Ben, if he could be swimming next to a huge island of trash, would be a really powerful scene and real powerful imagery, and that's not the case. We have to adapt with what we are working with, and the hard thing with that is we're working with microplastics, um, and trying to capture that is, it, it becomes substantially harder. You can't get a shot on a drone of a bunch of microplastics, really. It just doesn't show up on screen. Um, so, the hard reality of, yeah, learning how to adapt. How about you, Yoav? Do you have any set expectations that you that have? I think I most astray? start with this. I expect disappointment, and then I get it. Then it's all good. Now, um, well, my expectations were I like that. It was good. <laughs> I, I, I know. Um, I wouldn't say expectations. I had hopes for certain things. Most of my hopes are more concentrated in the success, the success of that trip. But in my case, my my. I look at the success in a slightly different way as more the, you know, I want to get the boat and you guys um, safely and like I want to, whenever we have a mission, like we need to go there, we need to be in that place, we need to do this operation, launch a dinghy, meet this, all the, the mini missions we had, I'm just thinking of, okay, how do we do that? Launching a net, how do we do launch a net? What's the best way to launch a net? Then I try to improve with every time I try, like, okay, maybe we should tie this line here, maybe we should start a little earlier, maybe we should do this, maybe I need someone else to help me, maybe I don't know something. I, um, I try to focus in the technicalities, I think, and so I'm, 
I have to say I really was and most of the time more focused in in that part, in the practical technical part. But that's how I enjoy thinking about things. Right. Um, I didn't, I mean, thinking of what will be captured, what will be achieved. It's definitely simpler, simpler than before because we have more freedom to work with. For me, it's simpler. In the first leg that we did, Swimming with Ben, we had to adhere to way more rules and regulations and we have a very specific task. We had to keep Ben swimming in a specific direction and achieve a number of miles. Um, the frame was much more uh, restricting. We had to obey to many rules. And now we have way more freedom to just decide what we want to do in order to get Ben swimming. But when we can, when we when it's okay, not 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 surrendering, like not to... If the weather doesn't allow it, we just don't do it. It's okay. And, you know, I still have some issues, safety issues that I need to think, okay, is it safe enough? Can we take that risk? Should we take that risk? But, but again, we are more free to make more decisions, so it's kind of easier for me. Um, and again, but in terms of expecting what we'll achieve, I mean... We'll achieve what we'll achieve. So I didn't see any point like in really hoping to get that and then forcing some disappointment on disappointment on myself. I'm here to document what we can. I'm here to um, contribute to science because that's that's a big that's a big one for me. Really trying to get as many scientific um, purposes and yeah, just you know, kind of trying to do my best kind of thing. But yeah. What about you? Yeah, Drew. Question goes to you. Yeah, please. I wanna, <clears throat> and you I came on real, you. real last minute. If you want to touch on that, you had a crazy <sighs> intro into the expedition. Yeah, I had basically thirty-six hours from when I when I was granted a spot to get ready to go and set sail on this on this boat for eighty days. So uh, with thirty-six hours, I didn't really have any time to think or set too many expectations, at least that were like consciously set expectations. I just was kind of like, okay, I'm going to get on this boat. It's probably going to be challenging. I'm interested to see how my mind evolves through this experience and what I'm going to learn. And I've always wanted to learn how to sail. So that's kind of where I was at leaving, leaving Honolulu. And um, I think as uh, a couple, my expectations, there's a couple tangents to uh, travel down one one of them was what you were talking about Josh with like expectations of plastic concentration and I uh, our first kind of we kind of like pass we kind of overnight just one day we were getting plastic counts in our net toes that were like one to two hundred and then we had a couple that were like three to four hundred and then the next day we just hit a plastic count that was like 1500 and the day after that we hit a plastic count that was so big that we couldn't even count it and so when we kind of crossed into that area of super high concentration that set an expectation for me that that was the garbage patch and we were going to see these crazy thousands of pieces of microplastic concentrations in all of our net toes in the in the garbage patch and then you know, four days later and only a couple hundred miles away, uh, moving deeper into the patch, we weren't getting nearly that high of concentration of plastic anymore. So that was kind of a wake-up call for me that, like, uh, the, the issue is a lot more complicated and, and the dynamics of how the plastic moves around in this garbage patch is a lot more complicated than I initially uh, understood and anticipated. Uh, and then... 
as far as uh, life on the boat goes and how we were going to run the science on the boat, I thought that I, I, I've kind of thought, I also enjoy, have enjoyed figuring out with you, you have the best ways that we can do everything and practicing different ways to mm-hmm. improve our, our techniques and our, our methods for different protocols. But I also expected that a lot of these things would have been thought out and there would have been good systems already in place since some of these protocols you had done before. But then come and I thought that a lot of the protocols would already be largely understood by everybody on board for the most part, since everyone was involved in the project a lot longer than I was before I just jumped on the boat and set sail. And then coming in as the scientist to lead the effort and and everything, I quickly learned that not very many, not really anybody knew anything about the protocols. And the scientists that were going to come on board before there were two of them. They just took the reins, and that basically left everyone else, gave them more fl- freedom to focus on other areas to set up for the expedition, but then there was this void created because there's like a big responsibility of the expedition is science, and no one has studied or really knew what what the science objectives were until we were already out to sea for, already out on our way to the garbage patch. I agree with you. I mean, I just want to say that really, like, I mean, you had to hit the deck running and like really running, but awesome job, man. And I think for you, for you as a self-improvement uh, kind of thing, you learned a lot from this for experience sure. to yeah, just sure. take things and like, okay, there's nothing. I need to start from almost zero because yeah, like you said, uh, no one else, no one had, uh, no one was uh, dealing with those things. Only those two scientists, scientists that yeah, left the, uh, a few days before you came on board and so on your side it was tough but um, teaching experience really good yeah, learning experience a huge mm-hmm. a huge uh, personal personal growth phase i think for sure throughout this expedition it's been really good we gave drew the nickname of captain science which is, is captain science. it's so fitting i mean and really. now you're a sailor man now you're you're also a sailor and i'll be honest like he was Drew's annoying when it comes to the science. When he when he always reminds you about oh, the protocols and the makes marine you do science all the time. Yeah, all but you know time. what? Like if if we didn't have the the drive that Drew brings to the table to get it done, um, I, I we, we would have been know. slacking. I think, hard to more. say. It's really hard. I mean, because I think is although this is an expedition and everyone is has volunteered to join and handpicked except for Drew uh, into this. Still, you can see this dynamic of it's a group dynamic and it's a time dynamic of not always you don't always have the energy to be part of everything or to take interest in everything. And it's you know, for me, as you know, I'm obsessed with the cleaning uh, parts of the boat and uh, for a reason, the boat should be clean. But so I see it on that side, but on the other sides too. So people sometimes. Even though their crew, or even though they know they need to do those science protocols, and they should have cleaned the heads, or they do this, they don't, because you know it's not always, and it's not that easy. And I have to say, I I think we can all be above this, and we can all be better. But I understand this. I understand it happens. I understand how people kind of want their own like escape from things and less responsibility in the field that they're not it's not their field they're gonna have kind of leave me alone let me do my thing but it kind of means i don't do the other things just just for the feeling i think it's yeah i don't think it's a purpose thing i think it's a more subconscious but it's it's to kind of sustain that feeling of of 
I'm doing my thing. So I, I think so. I, I'm trying to yeah. explain it to myself somehow because I'm think, not understanding it completely. I think everyone's got leadership roles on this boat. And so it's it's good that we have like somebody who takes lead on the science and they help and then ah, we have Yoav who takes lead sure. of the cleaning because you know if we didn't have because I'm the skipper that's what I did then yeah clean, yeah, yeah clean the boat myself and Corbin <laughs> and Adam we lead the content so we direct people when it comes to random shoots and photos and so right. yeah no I definitely need everything every field of responsibility definitely needs a person to lead it mm-hmm. definitely but. But yeah, it comes to this dynamic thing. So yeah, people needs to be led. Need to be led. It's funny because you have yeah yeah. There was, there was a mishap. There was a mishap. <laughs> this this kettle may have never boiled <laughs> because this is the extended. Ben, ben, is, I think Ben just turned it off. This is the extended edition you because Did you do it. Uh, the flame underneath the kettle definitely went out. I was thinking, wow, this is a long episode. This is one of the longest. But, but it's, yeah, one of the best, it's really one of the this best. This is good. Ones. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a deep one. It's so we're going to, I mean, the kettle continue. hasn't boiled yet. Yeah. So. The kettle uh, was... Uh, Somebody may have sabotaged okay, it. Corbin, smile. And Heather, I'm not sure if it's a smile <laughs> or a smirk. Have you guys been recording? Nice lemonade over here. I saw this knob. I pointed at it and I looked at Ben. Ben just gave me the biggest smile that Ben's ever smiled. I turned it. I, turned so I think that was a long time ago. <laughs> okay, you got a special. Happy listeners, you just received a special uh, complimentary of Corbin. Yeah. Corbin so, does sabotage most of our episodes. He's really yeah. not. He's a sabotager. <laughs> yeah, he's not about he's the podcast. He's the enemy of the podcast. Yeah, I think I think he just wants other content, so he thinks he doesn't want the content to you know he doesn't want. Yeah. Drama has He's afraid of competition. Drama, drama's going to come is. up through this podcast. I, I think, think we'll have and to Corbin, beat him up. Corbin's going to be the guy that really yeah. brings he's it the antagonist. He's the drama. It he's, wouldn't be a good yeah, story without yes. 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 the villain. I fucking want him to be the villain. And now, again. Oh my gosh. Now, again, oh. all our listeners below the age of 13 yeah. are being canceled. Uh, so I heard talk about pubes when you first started that. Uh, thank well, you, Corbin. The 13 year olds are starting to have pubes. Uh, so back though, let's bring it back because I just wanted to say that it's funny to hear you say, Josh, that I've been annoying when it comes to the science because the thing within me is I know, like I hear myself and I know that I'm annoying. Like I'm annoying myself when I ask people to help out with the science, but it's like, you think that's, it's, that's, it the, needs to be that's said. the role that I'm sitting yeah, in. You're the bad guy. You're the science bad guy. Like, I've, I've accepted that although that's not who I want to be perceived as, it's who I have to be perceived as mm. for the success of this expedition and our science objective. So. No, it's, you've kept us on, on track. You've <laughs> yeah, kept yeah, us no, on yeah. course, Very for good. real. Very good. Like, good job. Good job. Better than myself, I believe. But, you know, I'm I don't just, hold I'm, back. I'm, when I'm on the podcast, you know, it's I speak the truth. I love the truth when it comes out. The, the other thing, the other, uh, the other mentality that I... That I it came up earlier on in our expedition and something that that has come up a couple times throughout that I've been trying to really squash this whole concept is the fact that uh, that the content that capturing the plastic and doing the science studying the plastic should be a cohesive effort and should not counteract each other and I think oh, they have no reason to counteract there is no reason exactly and I think that there, that's, there has been some perceptions that this that there has been interferences from time to time but ultimately when you look at it through the 
the holistic view of what we're doing out here, they really, you can't have one without the other, you know, because we're out here to tell a story, to capture the plastic, to show people how bad this problem is, but then to actually understand and quantify the problem, you have to have the science to validify what we're seeing and what we're capturing on our cameras. We're using, we're using scientific data and advice from scientific, scientists to find that plastic that we're trying to capture. I mean, and we're using scientific methods to to show, to see, to show it and to count it. So that's awesome. So we should capture this process. But also that's part of showing the problem is also showing scientific data. I mean, it's showing images and more information about it. it, it I, mean, I really think it comes together. There's no problem about it. So yeah, there's... The other thing is, I want to say, is that it has been incredibly hard for us, for the content team in particular, to capture these images of plastic in a compelling way, especially when we're talking about the microplastics, even the macros, because the microplastics are more ubiquitous, they're more everywhere, but they're a lot sneakier and they're a lot harder to capture behind a lens. Mm -hmm. And then you have the macroplastics, the big fishing nets, the big lines, but they're way more, and the floats, and they're way more sparse, they're way spread out and there's no way to predict where it's gonna be. And we've probably literally, legitimately only had uh, maybe five solid days of like really obvious, easy to capture, content for plastics i would say would you agree with that josh yeah i agree um really good some really good big nets um and then we had two incredible days um, where we ran into some slicks or soups basically of microplastic mm -hmm. and it was uh, bits of microplastic on on the surface of the water column all the way down some you know a solid five meters or more below the water um, so things like that where there's hundreds of pieces right in your face all floating on different levels <clears throat> Made capturing it definitely easier, but man, I would say yeah days today is day number 70 and it's it's still a challenge of like Still racking. I think everyone's kind of racking their brains on like how do you how do you tell this story? But I think I think a lot of the, the challenge is because The names it acquired is like the great garbage patch the big this the island plastic two, so you kind two of times to, the size of Texas you kind of need to take that image people already have from those names narrow it down and then blow their mind again because it is a huge problem and if you look at the counts and if you mm -hmm. see the things we think we've seen here i mean we see trash every day right but we can't stop the boat every five minutes whenever we see a float or a bucket or a crate or a net or a line or just a tiny piece of microplastic floating by the boat and we see it all the time but again you can't stop the boat every time you can't take a picture of every piece of plastic, it's impossible. Just the, the clicks you'll have on your camera, impossible. It's because it's, a size, it's twice the size of Texas, it's spread all over it. And we kind of need to go and get that image in people's mind and tell them, it's not what you think, but it is what you think. Right. I mean, if we could take all the trash that we've seen here and just pull it in one pile, it would be an island of plastic. Mm -hmm. But it's like you took an island of plastic, a small island of plastic, and put a bomb in the middle and let it spread out through all the Pacific Ocean or all the northeast uh, gyre of the Pacific Ocean. Right. A good few thousand miles area. And yeah, the garbage, I mean, it's there, but it's spread. And we've seen it because we have seen it every day, like you said. But 
it's impossible to capture all of it together because it's not together it's just spread out there and yeah for you guys videos drone video drones uh, footage everything it's really difficult to show that it's actually it is what it is just not how people think about it right and it's just mind-blowing to me that it's taking us 70 days out here to only experience about five days of what the garbage patch really shows when it really shows its true self below mm -hmm. the surface when, all when the, the wind dies when the water yeah. are calm and then you can see all the plastic 70 things. days and we only get five days of like real craziness you know even if that and i think that that's been I applaud you guys. It's been a really, I think the con we've been capturing it really well, and content's been killer. Everything's been working out pretty dang good. <laughs> I think, yeah, even without those five days, because I guess it's hard. You don't want to downplay where we are, because yeah, like what you all said is like if you could, if you could bunch it all up, like it makes sense. So it is hard. You don't want to downplay it and say like, oh wow, these guys they were out there for seventy days and they only had five good days. I, like you all just said again, it's like you when see you say plastic. five good days, though you don't mean five good days. It's five good days for you to actually get all this shit in the camera. And uh, it, I mean, the worst day you could call it the worst, yeah, the yeah. worst plastic the days, best content days or best content uh, option days. It's yeah, it's strange. Uh, words. Or what was your point there, though, Sorry. Josh? Ah, uh, just to try not to like downplay. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's called the Great Pacific Garbage Passion. It still is great. But, um, man, it's, it's sometimes I think it's something that you have to see maybe to believe. or so, You know, it's just you have to really try to give that mindset of, like, we have not stopped seeing plastic. And even though you can't document it, it's still there. And that's, like, that's a hard point, I think, to hit home. Right. So many days I roll out of my bunk. I'm half asleep and I walk out onto the deck to take a pee in the morning. And the first thing I see is a piece of plastic floating by. Always. And that's been literally 70 days in a row. Yeah. Probably for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, it doesn't happen that you don't look out and you see a few bits passing, passing by, all kind of different bits. So we know that. We all know that. But yeah, we've been struggling with this. We know it, but we can't the, show it. The scale, right? It's scale. a scaling issue, and I think that being out here and experiencing it firsthand is that's what that's one of the things that stood out to me. And one of the going, going back to expectations, like that has blown my expectations out of the water because the scale of the ocean of the North Pacific is huge, and the amount of plastic out here is huge. But when you have a huge scale yeah. of surface area of ocean and then a bunch and of plastic in that that might be part of the problem that you know the one of the things we try to i mean I feel like people should be aware and should know it but maybe maybe not because I've, I've met people that keep thinking maybe that it's it's not such a big of a problem because people think the ocean is infinite and yeah okay a bit of bit garbage a bit of garbage find its way to the ocean but it's not infinite. The ocean is limited and that plastic is causing the damage. And this is another part that we need to uh, convey, but not now. Not, not today. Now. Yeah. There you goes can the hear, kettle. You can, hopefully you can hear that kettle. Uh, thank you for joining us for our uh, special edition late night episode of our longest episode. Extended version of Until the Kettle Boils. The extended uh, version. Extended, sabotaged version. Thank you um, very much. Okay, we won't keep you long. See you uh, next time. See you in the morning. See you tomorrow morning. You're listening to... Oh, <laughs> <laughs>